Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Caravan of Garbage, where this week and next week and week after next week, three week... We're going to be covering the Matrix Trilogy. Once again, for Caravan of Garbage, which, to be clear, Mm -hmm. is is not exclusively about things that are garbage. No, it's just whatever. (laughs) just kidding, I like these movies. I agree. Uh, And, you know, we'll we'll get into some of the, you know, the pitfalls of this series in general. And the redeeming qualities of the sequel, some of which uh, I may not have even thought about until I was an adult. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that that part is actually quite good. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But look, we'll come back to that. And by that I mean white men with dreadlocks. <laughs> That's the great part about the Matrix Reloaded. The agree. white men with the dreadlocks. I agree. Now, I've got a question for you and for everybody. First of all, uh, can you leave a like? That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, second question, has this aged well? Because I think it has. Mm-hmm. Or are we just blind to it? Because it hit us at like the exact right point in time. That is a great point because I rewatched it today and I remember thinking, boy, this really does. This mm. holds up. Like, you know, the effects and the effect. I, it, I mean, I think I think just just off the bat, I think some of the effects have that kind of that that CGI haze over it. Yeah. That, that a lot of stuff of that era did. You see those squids up close when they're attacking the ship and they're clearly like CGI things or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But on the whole, like a lot of it is practical. The green screen is mostly flawless. You know, yeah. the stunts are, again, practical. Yeah, yeah. You know, for the most part. And I think, you know, I, I, I think that The Matrix is subject to, you know, that The Simpsons already did it kind of trope where like yeah. people go oh well it's only just what it's slow-mo and it's bullet time and it's mm. etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's like yeah but do you remember before that do you remember yeah. the before the matrix times or even after because mm. the other reason i think it holds up really well well for a couple of reasons first of all it's not really 1999 so it's like a fictional 1999 yes, it's a, but, but it's filled with anachronisms it's yeah. like it's sort of like the batman animated universe mm. it's allegedly a certain time period but they've put you know uh, rotary phones. Rotary phones and sort of anachronistic cars and architecture and that mm. sort of stuff. You know, a, a mix of kind of post-apocalyptic costuming and kind of, you know, retro stuff and just, just weird timeless things. You know, a lot of it doesn't strike you as particularly dated because it is 
it's been designed to not be. Yeah, it's it's been designed to be of any era, yeah. really. It's just you know whoever's running the Matrix going, this is good enough. They don't know, <laughs> you know, uh, the people in it. That is. But the second reason I think it's dated really well is because if you look at similar-ish movies that aped it of the era. I'm talking like Daredevil. I'm talking Paycheck. I'm talking other Ben Affleck action properties. You can't <laughs> stop talking about Ben Affleck action vehicles. <laughs> no, I can't. But all of those things don't work the way that this does. I'm just talking strictly visually mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. It holds up better than anything else around it by five to ten years in most cases. Yeah, and I think, again, it is, you know, it's not the Wachowski's first film, but I mm. think it's it feels like their sort of magnum opus. It feels like something they wanted to make since, you know, before they started making films. It feels like they've yeah. put so much care and so much attention into it and there's so many visual choices being made. It's not just a uh, city scene and whatever backdrop you have is fine or, yeah. you know, or just, you know, put them in a car, whatever car is fine, whatever sedan you just happen to have kind yeah. of thing. And every scene and every moment has a choice, even down to, you know, the the scenes in The Matrix have an odd green tint to them. Yes. Or, uh, and scenes in the real world have a blue tint. Keanu has green stubble. <laughs> That's right. I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Or even stuff like things that, you know, you don't notice until a rewatch, like the the famous scene with the woman in the red dress. Yeah. Where many of the background extras are twins. Yes. Uh, But it sort of, it leads to kind of a disconcerting rewatch where you're like, hey, hang on a a sec. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting choice because nobody ever says it, but that program was created by Mouse and he's just going to be copying and pasting NPCs <laughs> just to fill out the world. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Right. Uh-huh. So it, it makes a lot of sense. I also think the sound design of this is incredible. For one, that little throat tap that he does to... Uh, <laughs> oh, to Agent Smith, <laughs> sure. That one. <laughs> and when the mirror goes down his throat, that noise just always kind of stuck with me, the way it goes from, from a man screaming to a digital kind of distortion. To an old modem noise yeah. of some sort. Oh, I love that amazing. particular scene just because... How does that room work? Like, because in the, in the scene, obviously, what happens if you don't touch the mirror? What exactly? Like, the, you know, the, obviously, in order to escape the matrix, you have to you have to go through this trace program, and obviously, it's you know, it's metaphorical in some way, or it's yeah. you know, it's 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 computerized and, digi- and digitized and abstracted or what have you. But you've got to take a pill, and then there's like a rotary phone that's attached to some sort of Rube Goldberg machine, <laughs> and lots of old chairs and a mirror, and you have to look at the mirror and notice that something's up with the mirror. But everybody else has to pretend that they. They don't know what's going on with the mirror. You know what I mean? He's got to touch the mirror. Don't nobody look maybe at him. Maybe that's the final test. If they're like, yeah, maybe the 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 incurious will just be like, or maybe just the two. You you cannot join the resistance if you're too polite. <laughs> yeah, right. So if you see the mirror wobbling and you're like, oh, he's, give, he's giving be, me he's giving me acid. <laughs> I'll be very embarrassed if I touch that mirror and nothing happens. <laughs> so I simply will not touch the mirror. I've written here a lot of questions. It is some questions that I've just had over the years. I'm not really looking for answers. They're just little curiosities that I have about this world. Folks, leave your answers in the comments. <laughs> okay, why not? Um, I believe that if you tell someone what The Matrix is, they would probably get it. I mean, we got it. It's it's the movie. And when we didn't even escape The Matrix. <laughs> we're still in The Matrix as far as I know. We get movies the first time we see them, don't we? <laughs> That's correct, yes. We're famous for it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think if he'd sat him down and said, we're actually in a computer simulation, <laughs> Neo, as a computer man himself, would have been like, oh, I get it. A rad. Or whoa. Now, uh, Neo, do you want to wake up in a weird, goopy pod? No. <laughs> I'd rather wake up in my nice, warm bed. Thank you. Well, well that's the other thing. Uh, if you wake up in your weird, goopy pod, the machine should just take one of those like pneumatic cow-killing things. Mm-hmm. Just whoever comes out, just kill him straight away. You know, There's a good chance that it's a guy who's got a... Fly kick into your mainframe. You know what I mean? Sure. You don't need any of that. Uh, okay, what about this? 
the skills that you learn in the matrix yes. through like downloading programs. How many to, how many translate into the real world? Exactly. So if you learn kung fu, do you still yeah. have kung fu in the real world? I think they do, but you'd still be limited by your own physicality. Mm. I assume. Sure. Um. Why Why is it if you die in the matrix, you die in the real world? Does that imply that if VR gets good enough, that people <laughs> will eventually start having heart attacks? Yes. Okay, great. On the character of Cypher, who ends up betraying them, spoilers, it's 20 plus years old. If you haven't seen it, don't look at any of this anyway. Uh-huh. Um, how does he have the meeting with Agent Smith initially? Who knows? It's neither here nor there. Also, he must know that they're not going to put him back, right? Oh, I see what you're saying. But to answer your question, uh, he does have a program that puts himself back in the Matrix. That's what he switches off when Neo approaches it. Oh, when okay. When he's surprised, he's like, whoa, because he's, he's, it's, it's, it's a timer, basically. You ever seen an egg timer? <laughs> okay, it's an egg timer. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what if somebody walked in when he was like, when he was in it. And just looked at the monitors. I mean, I guess some of them use it for sex also, so it's probably not uncommon. Yeah, right. I'm using this for sex, I swear. I've put a raggedy sock on the door. <laughs> That's the signal, all right? Leave me alone. Yeah, look, all I'm saying is he just he took his time eating that steak. I'll be like, I'm going to smash this meal down. Get back to the real world. Yeah, yeah. I love steak, but I'm going to finish this quickly. Maybe, they, maybe, maybe the agents can alter the flow of time for him. Oh, that so might maybe, be it, yeah. maybe, you know, if he got his wish, he'd just be eating that steak forever. That's true. Or some sort of all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> yeah. What I do like, though, about the mate, the opening sequence, mm. speaking of questions, it leads to so many questions, which is why yeah. it's great. You know, the, yeah, the open sequence, the police are there, yeah. and then the agents are there, the and there's this there. hacker lady. What's she, what's she doing? She does that scorpion kick. She kicks that dude. She does scorpion head. kick. Months of training yeah, to get that one. Answer. I mean, all yeah. of them. But, but wasn't yeah. it, do, you remember, do you remember seeing it for the first time and being like, what is happening here? Well, I knew what the twist was going in. Oh, did you? Like someone at school was like, it's this. And I'm like, cool. And it didn't affect me at all. Like I still loved it. And what I think is fascinating about this movie leading up is, and I think you can speak to this more, the trailers were very lackluster. People were like, uh, Keanu Reeves, isn't he kind of a plank of wood? What is this about? It looks dumb. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. You I know? remember people laughing in the theatre <laughs> when the trailers came out. I think maybe the effects weren't finished. But it's interesting as well because, I mean, he he was in speed like five years beforehand. Yeah. But we're like, oh, how his star has... Oh, how your star has fallen, Keanu Reeves. You fool. You're in chain reaction. You simple, simple fool. But how... And also, you know what? Little did we know that chain reaction itself started a chain reaction of people running away from big blue sky beams. <laughs> Very true. You're not wrong. Just everything in this works. Yep. I'll talk about some of the casting choices later. Like even the things like the fact that Keanu Reeves is, and this is going to sound like an insult, but it's not. He's A kind, dumb plank of wood. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's befuddled and like <laughs> bemused and confused and he's always like, he's mostly just asking questions or just standing, staring blankly. Yeah. Because you would. It's the, very confusing. The, the Wachowskis knew what they knew who they were hiring, you know? Exactly. But, like, even Morpheus spends most of the movie explaining it. It doesn't feel like massive exposition dumps. Trinity's incredible. Agent Smith is incredible. I mean... Oh, a young, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed Hugo Weaving. Ah, oh, mate. It really takes me back. I'm like, God, look at that fresh face. <laughs> uh, so on, the, on the topic of Hugo Weaving, Ben, who edits these together... He did a video specifically on the interrogation scene over on his channel. Right. I mean, it's an amazing scene. And if you want to hear somebody talk more eloquently about these movies or that scene in particular, it'll be linked below for people to check out. Let's talk about bullet time, though, because we can't not. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, obviously the Matrix uh, didn't pioneer it, nor did they perfect it. Uh, (laughs) What perfected it was that uh, episode of Sherlock. The wedding, you know, the wedding, the, the, the wedding episode. And it's just, it's just, just, bullet, just wizard around. It's just, it's just bullet time wedding photos all day. <laughs> 
Well, you say but, yeah, but it did. You're right, it, but yeah. it did pioneer. But it did. It, it did bring it into mainstream. Yeah. Exactly. And for those people who don't know, very brief and you know incorrect and simple explainer. Bon Jovi started it. Well, no, actually, it was in a Gap commercial like was the it? year before. Huh. Yeah, and some like it's cropped up over the years, but it became like you know more well known here. But essentially, it's a series of still photos taken in like a circle or semicircle all taken in unison, which gives the illusion that, you know, something is frozen in midair. Like hundreds or yeah. even thousands at a time. And then they can sort of they it's can a, sort of assemble them in a computer in sequence yeah. and sort of move back and forth in between frames and in between cameras. Yeah, exactly. To give the illusion that a, a, a person is stationary in the air or, or spinning around or what have you. Exactly. And also by the middle of 2002, fun fact, the famous bullet time sequence had been spoofed in over 20 different movies. Wow. So just in those two years alone. <laughs> wow. That's too many. Yeah. Um, but the fight scenes, though, they all went through extensive training, months upon months doing so. Hong Kong stunt coordinator Wu Ping Yuen came on board, which is also not common for Western films of that era. Well, and that's I, another thing that yeah, sets this apart. I, I, I divide Hollywood movie action sequences into pre-The Matrix and post-The Matrix. Yes. Where pre-The Matrix... There was a lot of sort of individual shots of characters swinging a punch, yep. then a cut, then another punch, then a reaction, then a mm-hmm. cut, and whereas whereas then a roll, maybe a, oh God, maybe a roll, maybe a double-handed punch, <laughs> sure. But but the Matrix sort of you know pioneered in Western cinema this uh, this you know very very long uh, sequences of moves with no cuts. Yeah, you know there's so much training, so much choreography, so many tiles being chipped off walls. That's right. Yeah, I love it. And I think also it's interesting because there are so many fight scenes or action sequences, but they're all so unique. It's not just punch up after punch up. I mean, in a way it is punch up <laughs> after punch up. But if you look at like from the moment they hit the lobby to the end, mm-hmm. it's lobby to rooftop to helicopter to streets to subway to hallway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> in probably that order. Yeah. But each one of them, is amazing, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, the helicopter hitting the building and, and, the, and the ripple effect, the minigun minute, if you will. Oh, sure. I will look is this the origin of your famous segment, minigun minutes? It could very well be. Obviously, you know, and Neo uses it to, uh, to as part of his very subtle scheme to rescue Morpheus. Uh, he absolutely riddles a building with bullets. Uh, a bunch of agents uh, hit and go down, but obviously they didn't get squibbed, so zero out of ten. Yeah, but they don't, it's, not really, it's, not a squib, it's not a squibby kind of movie, Mason. Zero out of ten. I mean, it's a squiddy kind of movie. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's a very squiddy movie. Squiddy rating 10 out of 10, obviously. Um, the other thing is, like, we could talk about how Will Smith turned down the lead role to do Wild Wild West because when the movie was described to him, it was described weird, and he's like, I don't get this, I'm going to do a worse movie. That also happened to Sean Connery, right? In the next one, yes. yes. Uh, we could talk all day about how dull and generic the Sydney skyline is in this movie, <laughs> and just the city in general. Get fucked, Sydney. Uh, we could talk all day... <laughs> About just kidding, Sydney. We love you. We could talk all day about how Keanu Reeves trained with a neck brace after very invasive surgery, which is why all of his fighting is very upright and stilted. I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, and that's also why he does like minimal kicks. Oh, you know what I mean? So yeah, there's a bunch of behind the scenes footage of that. We could talk about all of that, Mason, or we could talk about how maybe a lot of this was potentially stolen, <laughs> potentially <laughs> allegedly. Well, I mean, potentially and allegedly, and you know, obviously this became something of a cultural phenomenon. Obviously, you mentioned, you know, it. it in Inspired twenty bullet time yeah. uh, uh, sequences in, in in copycat movies and homages and parodies and whatever, but be- obviously because it became so popular and successful, uh, you know, a lot of people made claims of plagiarism against yep. it, or oh, they obviously took this shot from this, or they obviously, yeah. and uh, you know, I I think the Wachowskis have never claimed to. Have... They've been open about their influences. They've talked about how like it's a mix of kung fu action films and like anime, like Ghost in the Shell, yes, and exactly. Philip K. Dick and Euromancer and all these other yeah. things. And and you know, I feel like you can't really own the concept of you know a post-apocalyptic world or, uh, you know, a ragtag group of resistance fighters, or being trapped in a computer, or... I bet there's someone who owns that like somebody owns Happy Birthday. (laughs) Or maybe, that's true. (laughs) The very concept of it. But, you know, a lot of this stuff is simply parallel thought, I think. I think there are are two notable cases of of accusations of plagiarism. Yes. Uh, The first one is from a woman named Sophia Stewart, Mm -hmm. who was referred to some people as the mother of the Matrix, because she claims she created the Matrix. So. Why didn't they call her the Oracle? Oh, great question. Maybe the suing happened before the Oracle <laughs> was revealed to be the mother of the Matrix. Well, okay, so what happened was, uh, according to her, uh, she wrote a, 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 a science fiction story called The Third Eye in the early 80s, and she included like a screen treatment, like illustrations, character profiles, all this sort of stuff. And then in 1986, uh, she opened up a magazine mm. uh, and she discovered uh, apparently the Wachowskis were running a competition. They were mm. accepting submissions of science fiction stories to uh, to uh, give you know give give prizes to. And uh, she submitted her story. She never heard back from anyone. 
and then years later, the Wachowskis created the Matrix, right? And uh, she claims that uh, they stole her concepts and and put them to the screen. Uh, also included in the lawsuit was uh, James Cameron because she claimed that uh, she had also shopped the story around Hollywood in the early 80s and it had never been purchased by anyone, but James Cameron had seen it. And, also, and he made Titanic from it. That's exactly right. He Well, he made The Terminator apparently yeah. based on those ideas. So she was suing James Cameron, the Wachowskis, Joel Silver, another producer, for a combined total of $1 billion. Bloody heck. And, I mean, there were, there were some holes in her story uh, first of all, she couldn't remember what the ma- name of the magazine was mm-hmm. that she submitted the story to. Oh, so you cannot find this article anywhere. I feel, no, no, it's it's not around. Also, at the time in 1986, the Wachowskis would have been 18 and 21. Okay. So they were probably not in the, in the, in the business of being some sort of Hollywood science fiction story power brokers at that point. Okay. Okay, so that's something, isn't it? Yeah. But there's another example, though, isn't there, which has kind of got a bit more weight behind it. Uh, yeah, well, there is a, uh, a writer named Grant Morrison, mm-hmm. and uh, they are very prolific in the comic book industry. Uh, in, in the sort of early to mid-90s, they created a comic book called The Invisible, which, again, sort of contains elements like, you know, there is a, uh, there is a, a sort of domineering force that is, you know, blinding the world to the true nature of, you know, what humanity is, is really dealing with. And there's sort of a, a, a group of resistance fighters called the Invisible College, and they are fighting back against this sort of, you know, invading force. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, the team is looking in, in an early story, looking for a kind of uh, a, the one, a kind of, you know, right, uh, yep. you know, one person who might be able to upset the balance and, and change the reality. The leader is sort of like a bald-headed man with glasses who at one point gets captured uh, by the bad guys and interrogated. Some of the artwork is not dissimilar from some of the stylistic choices, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I mean, the Invisibles contains a, a lot... Of, uh, of ideas. Yeah. Hundreds, if not thousands of ideas. <laughs> uh, and so you might, again, you might say, well, you know, obviously those you, you can't copyright. But uh, this is an interview with Grant Morrison. This is from... A magazine that nobody found. No, this, this is actually, this is actually uh, part of an interview from the website Suicide Girls. Okay. Where Grant was uh, interviewed. Okay, and the interviewer asks, this may be, this is from, I I think, the early 2000s, I think about 2005. Mm. The interviewer asks, this may be old news, but was the controversy over the Matrix films being like the Invisibles blown out of proportion? And Grant says, it's really simple. The truth of that one is that design staff on the Matrix were given Invisibles collections and told to make the movie look like my books. This is a reported fact. The Wachowskis are comic book creators and fans and were fans of my work, so it's hardly surprising. I was even contacted before the first Matrix movie was released and asked if I would contribute a story to the website. It's not some baffling coincidence that so much of the Matrix is plot by plot, detail by detail, image by image lifted from the Invisibles, so there shouldn't be much controversy. The Wachowskis nicked the Invisibles, and everyone in the know is well aware of this fact, but of course they're unlikely to come out and say it. Uh, uh, Grant is generally not really concerned that it was stolen, but more that the ideas were kind of watered down. They became more kind of sort of based around, like, Catholicism and a saviour and that sort of thing, yeah. where the original stuff is kind of deeper and has more, just sort of more heft to it and certainly more detail. And more kicks, right? Oh, so many more kicks. Because Keanu doesn't do that many kicks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Morrison then goes on to say, I love the first Matrix movie, which I think is a real work of cinematic genius and very timely, but I've now heard from several people who worked on The Matrix and they've all confirmed that they were given Invisibles books as reference. That's how it is. I'm not angry about it anymore, although at one time I was because they made millions from what was basically a Xerox of my work and to be honest i would be happy with just one million so i don't have to work 13 hours of every effing day including weekends (laughs) i mean morrison has since gone on i mean and i I think it is a case of kind of you know uh 
It's a it's a bit of everything. Yeah, it is yeah. a bit of everything. And I think any kind of legal action against the Wachowskis probably would have been, you know, ice skating uphill yeah. in the sense that um, Morrison published The Invisibles through Vertigo. Vertigo is an imprint of DC, and DC is owned uh, by yeah. Warner Brothers. And yet, nevertheless, he I, I, they seem to have worked it out mm. sort of in the meantime because Morrison has gone on to do many, many more things for DC yeah. and had like a, a, a very... Uh, a very significant hand in the creation of sort of the modern day DC universe and, mm. the, and the creative direction it's gone in. Yeah. It seems to be in the modern day, there is no bad blood between the groups, I think. It is interesting though, that there's not really any mention of it since then. So it does feel like something was worked out, right? Well, yeah, it must be. I mean, but, but I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I always had an inkling about this. I'd not read this interview in, in, many years and mm. uh, but in in looking it up today i'm like did i make this up <laughs> because again you know morrison worked and continues to contribute not just in in minor ways but with you know writing for batman and superman mm. and you know all the all the big guns of the dc universe yeah. so you know big guess, stuff guess they worked something out here's something for you mason here's okay. something i think everybody's excited for matrix via this is matrix trivia oh, this is matrix via. matrix via very good <laughs> matrix via yeah i like it great According to the Wachowskis, all animals in the Matrix universe are computer-generated images. So none of your pets are real. Fuck you. <laughs> That's great. Warner Brothers wanted Brad Pitt or Val Kilmer. Uh, both of them turned down the role, and then they came to Keanu Reeves and Johnny Depp. But apparently, Keanu Reeves wanted it more. Prior to that, in 1994, they were very interested in casting Brandon Lee before his passing, oh, which I could totally see. That would work. Uh, yep. In this role, yeah. Uh, Mark Wahlberg was also considered. I do feel like, though, if they put Mark Wahlberg in, that would have bled over into the character and he would have never got the Matrix. Like, he'd, oh, be, sure. he'd be in the fight at the end and they're like, use all your powers that we taught you. And he's like, what do you mean I'm in a computer? <laughs> You know? <laughs> anyway, that's the way I think it would have gone. I understand. Uh, Gillian Anderson turned down the role of Trinity. Russell Crowe turned down Morpheus. Jean Reno turned down Agent Smith for Godzilla at the time because he didn't want to move to Australia, specifically Sydney, of course, for obvious reasons. We talked about it. Got him, Sydney. <laughs> oh, we love you. Uh, we love your harbour. <laughs> A lot of the we love your opera house. We do. A lot of the sets were reused from Dark City, which came out the previous year, but yeah. Matrix was written technically before. Oh, are you staving off more accusations of plagiarism there? I don't know, mate. I mean, there's enough. I think, yeah, but it doesn't I, matter I, if I throw another no, one on top. No, but I think that's, t that's, that's too close as well. Absolutely you know, it is, yeah. They would have both been in production, unless the Wachowskis and Alex Proyas were having chats over the phone in which they were explaining their, what they were currently doing on their films. I don't think... That's right. They either would have copied the other. Exactly. Uh, there was a deleted subplot that reveals five other versions of the one had appeared in the past, all of whom died after attempting to fight the agents. Ah, oh, I mean, and that is that is brought back in the, in mm. the sequels, yeah. That's it. Uh, and this is a fun, this is a fun bit of tri trivia. Uh, ma makes trivia <laughs> to end on. Uh, Tasty wheat, which is mentioned when Mouse is trying to describe the food in the real world, was replaced by Sex Krispies in the German version of the movie. Is that true? Because I googled it and it just seems made up. <laughs> sure does. It was in the trivia though. Is Tasty Wheat a real product? I couldn't really find. I mean, probably, but that wasn't what I was googling. I was googling <laughs> Sex Krispies Mason. Sex Krispies German. <laughs> That's right. Image search. <laughs> Safe search off. What's gonna happen? Now, people like this movie, I think, a lot of the time because it's about a special boy who doesn't realize that he's the most special boy in the universe. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a cinematic version of One Direction's. That's what makes you beautiful. <laughs> That's right. He doesn't know that he's beautiful. <laughs> but the thing about this is, which is really interesting in hindsight, and there are people who are well more versed in this topic than we are, is that there is a lot of trans messaging in this movie mm. 
uh, for those people who don't know, the directors of which are trans, which is really interesting in hindsight, whether it be they're put there intentionally or not. But there is a character called Switch. Yes. And originally that character was supposed to be male in the real world and then female when they're in the Matrix. Because the the the, uh, the Matrix uh, provides a digital image of your real self. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. so I just thought that was really fascinating that there is stuff like that you know, already yeah. baked into this, yeah. which you don't really pick up on at the time. Well, certainly I didn't. Sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sure other people most likely did. But I just think that's just like another layer to this, which just makes it an incredible movie. And it fascinates me that people are mad about that. <laughs> does that take away from your big kicks, does it? You're still a special boy. Don't You're worry about it. You're still a special boy and you can do big kicks. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, I just want to quickly talk about the budget before uh, we, we, we get on out of here, Mason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it cost $63 million. They were thinking of stripping the budget right back because the studio was like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Uh, then they saw like a, a cut of some of the scenes. were like, oh, no, actually, this is great. And it ended up making $465 million, won a bunch of Academy Awards, and, of course, led into the very successful but not as beloved sequels. That's right. And some various spin-off media which and that scene in Shrek where Princess Fiona jumps up in the air and does a Matrix kick. That's very true. Mm-hmm. That can't be denied. Anyways, this has been Caravan of Garbage. We do these every week. And if you do want to see these early, because maybe you do, you can head over to bigsandwich.co where they always go up there early. Ben gets the amazing edit done. He sends it over. It goes up there. But there's also bonus movie commentaries and bonus podcasts, including our podcast, The Weekly Planet, where we talk movies and comics and TV shows. Normally comes out Monday, but there it comes out Sunday. That's right. I'm at Mr. Sunday Movies on Twitter. I'm at Wikipedia Brown on Twitter. I feel like I've missed like a bunch of stuff about this movie. Yeah. I could just talk about every aspect of it. Sometimes we do a very (laughs) surface level reading of a very complicated text. That's it. And then we wake up late at night. We're like, ah, he did punches as well as kicks. (laughs) I forgot to say. (laughs) Ah. All right. But thanks for watching, everybody. And all those guns. Yeah, he had all those guns. All the guns he had. Remember at the end, he had all those guns. Doesn't fire a gun in the other movies either. Huh. He didn't need Because he of hurt gun. his hands? No, because. Too he, much hand hurting? No, he was a special boy. He could do uh, special, so special very, flying very, abilities. Very special boy. Anyway, let's get out of here. All right, grab that jam, you guys. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want, it's, it's up to you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.